on a thousand planets and spreading out. Open the pod bay doors, Hal. Danger, Will Robinson. Danger. Look, up in the sky. It's a bird. It's a plane. To the bat poles. May the force be with you. Who is that mask man? Avengers, assemble. Good afternoon and welcome to the Fantastic Forum. I'm your host, Ulysses E. Campbell. Now some genre-related news before we get to today's discussion. NASA's Mars Ingenuity helicopter has managed to take an overhead picture of the Perseverance rover earlier this week. The picture provided an unprecedented view of a robotic explorer on the surface of another planet. In 1997, NASA's Pathfinder rover photographed the Sojourner rover. Sojourner was the first rover deployed to Mars. And of course, both those rovers were on the ground. NASA said in a description of the photo that the helicopter was about 279 feet from Perseverance when it took the photo, flying at an altitude of about 16.5 feet. It was Ingenuity's third and most ambitious flight to date as the helicopter traveled farther and faster than it had previously, covering a total distance of about 330 feet. Although the helicopter carries no scientific equipment, it is a technology demonstration designed to demonstrate that aerial exploration is possible on Mars. NASA officials have said it is paving the way for future Mars helicopters that could gather lots of data on their own and also serve as scouts for rovers and human pioneers on the Red Planet. A Captain America movie sequel is in development with Falcon and Winter Soldier head writer Malcolm Spellman and Dalen Musson. Given the events of the finale of the Disney Plus series, the feature is likely to continue the story of Sam Wilson, played by Anthony Mackie, and the current Captain America. No director is attached to the project as of yet, and previous Cap Chris Evans' involvement or return remains unconfirmed. More on this story as it continues to develop. April 28th was National Superhero Day. The day was established in 1995 by Marvel Comics employees and recognizes superheroes both real and fictional. Our real-life superheroes may not have superpowers, but just like fictional superheroes, children also look up to them as role models. They serve and protect their communities. These real-life superheroes also dedicate their lives to helping others, saving lives, or being a mentor. Hopefully, you were able to let your favorite superhero know that they are appreciated. Now it's time to introduce our panel. Today we're talking about the finale of Marvel's The Falcon and the Winter Soldier on Disney+. Joining me are Shireen Nicole, Roberto Ortiz, and Drew Bittner. Welcome, everybody. Hello. Uh -huh. We are back after uh, having been on a brief hiatus for a couple of weeks. And part of the reason for that hiatus was I had been really excited about uh, the most recent Disney Plus MCU show, which uh, just had the conclusion of its six-episode run last week, The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Shireen, you weren't on the show 
where we were talking about this thing. But you and I had spoken a little bit about it a few weeks ago, and I was really, well, hell, I'm really impressed at everything you have to say. <laughs> Basically, your every utterance in terms of all of this. But um, <laughs> I was just really, being really nice. No, it's true. <laughs> You're a genius. So I had wanted to talk a little bit about some of the things that you had to say about it. Let, let, let me lead with this, because I actually um, wrote this down from some stuff that you had on social media. So uh, Shireen says, I want to talk about Simo and his tricks of language, ill intent and classism wrapped up in truths about other bad things so you don't see his hands. I want to talk about the friendship between Ayo and Bucky and how they hurt each other and how no one seems to see it. I want to luxuriate in Sam and Carly's conversation because within it is a hero finding his next level and a well-meaning baddie descending to her worst. I want to recognize that John Walker wasn't a regular dude to begin with and that his mind is a storm of PTSD and mental illness and power hunger and that maybe the government experimented on him too and still he must be stopped because no matter his intent, he is not a hero. I want to scream for a second time when seeing blood on that shield because it was never a symbol of America, but instead it represented the hope that this country might one day be the land that was promised, not to be confused with the promised land because that is somewhere else. And yet that stained shield is a reminder that we probably won't see the first before we pierce the veil of the latter. I want to talk about writing that is so layered, it seems basic, and damn, that's a feat. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you the incomparable Shereen Nicole. Lord have mercy, I, I don't know how to... I mean, I did, hey, that's I some did, good stuff. I did write that. And I, I, mean, I don't know how to respond to genius and incomparable. Most days I feel like I'm just dragging my mind through the day. But I, you know, let me start here. Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot to unpack there, certainly. Yeah, <laughs> there so is, let me yeah. let me start at the end and then go back to there. Okay. I want to start, <laughs> I want to talk about, now I want to start by saying that that was, that was um, at the end of episode four, I believe it was. Yes, and, that's about right. And, and what we get by the time we get to episode six is this feeling that maybe there were two more episodes that got lost to COVID, right? Because we mm -hmm. see that we, we yeah. seem to be missing some, some arcs uh, going from, even from five to six, we seem to be missing something. So I really feel like maybe there were one or two more episodes that have gotten lost because they were being safe in the time of COVID and couldn't film or finish them. So I want to say that because I think that's really important as a counterpoint to what I wrote there. You know, just this mm -hmm. idea that is there's a lot missing by the time we get to episode six because characters are completely changing without a whole lot of impetus because 
we go we get back to the Marvel accountability problem, which is Marvel does not hold its characters accountable for their actions. We're looking at John Walker, who is a murderer behind an international incident, and by yep. chapter six, we're nudging and winking at him. And I and I'm sitting there like this this guy is not okay just because he showed up to help you with his Krylon shield. Uh, He's still the the murderer, and he's still twitchy. He's still twitching at the end of episode six. I'm like, okay, we, maybe we should be careful here. So I want to I want to couch that, or or you know. So then to go Actually, back. Actually, Cherry, mm-hmm. I know something you don't. Uh, okay. Uh, they they were supposed to film in Puerto Rico. Mm-hmm. They were supposed to film in Puerto Rico in January. Mm-hmm. Guess what happened in Puerto Rico in January? Outbreak. Earthquakes, the earthquakes happened in January uh, last year, right before COVID. And then all of a sudden they had scrambled because they were supposed to film a big, they were supposed to film a lot in Puerto mm-hmm. Rico. That got canceled. And then I imagine that when once they basically realized, okay, we have to find plan B, they, I believe they were supposed to film in the Dominican Republic. And then mm-hmm. COVID hit. So mm-hmm. I agree with you. Something was going to be filmed that was nothing to do with Eastern Europe. It was supposed to be in a tropical setting, mm-hmm. and that got dropped. Yeah, and it just I it feels like. That. Yeah, it feels like a lot got dropped because some things just kind of use it to use an old expression turned on a dime. But going back to to episode four. Those are the, those were my feelings after that because up until episode four, you had really tight writing, really tight character development, and a lot of things that a lot of people were missing in my estimation when I was hearing conversations. There was so much being missed about this being a conversation about how America treats its veterans and that Bucky and Sam were actually mirrors of each other. and yeah. And so a lot of those scenes that were read as racism, of course, with a black man character, there's always going to be intersections, right? You're going to have intersections of racism and discrimination and all kinds of other things. But mainly the conversation was about America going, thank you very much for your service, and then tossing you away, which we know goes all the way back through all of the wars that this country has fought. We did that that's that that was the same. I think maybe after World War II is when it started because we know it happened with Vietnam and definitely it has come forth from Vietnam. So that oh, was World War big, One too. Oh we treated uh, the World War One veterans like crap. So there you have it. So that's our history, right? So they're blending all of that in. But also everybody is talking about uh, I, I just really have to say this. Everybody's like, oh, Io should have taken his arm off. She should have literally disabled his arm. And I'm like, y'all, I need you to understand that that was two friends having an argument. And Bucky was wrong and Io was wrong. And they needed to apologize to each other because they both did dirt. So uh, so this was, you could see that Io was hurt and that that was the reason she reacted the way she did to Bucky. Not because she was mad at him and uh, not because, not sorry, not because she disrespected him, but because she respected him as a close friend. And if you watch that scene, you can see all the little quirks. She came in and say, anyway, 
I'm rambling. But yes, that is how I felt after episode four because the writing was so tight and so emotional and the character development had such heights. And I loved watching Sam talk to Carly and her disagree with him but understand him. And even when she walked away in that moment, she's like, I need to get rid of the other folks and still keep Sam alive, which we've, we don't often see. We usually see, I've been betrayed and now I shall kill them all. But in that moment, mm-hmm. she said, I need to save Sam while I still continue to do what, I, what I'm going to do. And I just thought that was really cool. And I just want to say also, when Lamar, or also known as uh, <laughs> Battlestar. Sorry, Battlestar, and I can't even say it. Uh, <laughs> also known it does as make you want to laugh. <laughs> <laughs> also known as Battlestar Galactica. When he, when he dies... You're first tempted to say sacrifice, and then you realize no, because it's chock full of black people, and so <laughs> there's no sacrifice when you still got like most of the cast is still black. <laughs> so that was that was great for me. Hmm. But one hmm. thing I like is basically that it showed the Walker that this was his brother, and I that's one thing that you rarely see on TV that veterans this is their brother and when i say i don't say that lightly this is my brother this i would die for you brother and in terms of you have seen that kind of action that they probably saw in afghanistan it showed that john really cared about him and it goes back to the trope of what you were saying that how disposable basically the veterans are treated and i like for example how carly just carelessly said that that guy didn't matter and John was like, what the heck did you just say? Oh, my friend. Mm-hmm. How can you say my friend doesn't matter? Uh, hell, I killed your friend. You should be upset about that. <laughs> so, well, she was not? ready to She was ready to dismiss that, too, as a means to an end. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, she she now I'll tell you what uh, I was I was really worried going into act three uh, of the story that it was all going to fall apart. But Malcolm Spellman knows what he's doing better than that. And so I, 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 Shireen, it sounded to me like from what you were saying, like you did feel as if the writing was not as tight for episode no, five and six. No, I felt like there six. was parts missing. I didn't feel oh, okay. like the writing mm-hmm. wasn't as tight, but it's clear that something's missing because up until that point, you had very clear, concise character arcs and emotional uh, shifts, and 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 I'm sure that Drew probably has some stuff to say on that too. But and then when you hit just at, like in the middle of five, and into six, stuff gets cut, and then characters change. Everybody's treating John Walker like he's a okay. You know, Carly has has gone all the way over the edge, but we didn't see the quite the moment where before it had been a slow build to her going over the edge. There just felt like there was stuff missing. I'm not saying the writing wasn't as good. I'm saying they did the best they could with what they had due to circumstances Bingo. that they couldn't control. It was edited to use what they had. You know, I my feeling about that was that the story had to get to a certain place. And even though the way that they had been bringing it along uh, earlier uh, was with very specific motivations 
for all the characters and very specific beats on all that. Because uh, I, I was looking at a lot of the comments that were being made. And um, in somebody said that this thing could have been accomplished in less than six episodes. And I at disagree. first... At, yeah, at first, I, I, I was like, nah, I, I disagree with that, too. But now I'm thinking maybe they could have. I mean, because there were some filler-type things that they... I mean, I, and I don't really want to call it filler, like, you know, when they went to Madripoor, for example. And, you know, although, ultimately, that was kind of like filler. I mean, you could have... That was something that you could have accomplished some other way than what they did. And unless, oh, by the way, there unless, there will be there will be spoilers here. <laughs> I yes. need to warn the audience. Oh, and but I also you... need to remind everybody that you're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA ninety six point seven FM and streaming via WERA.FM. We are your community radio station. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Drew Bittner and Roberto Ortiz and Shereen Nicole. We're talking about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And I'm sorry, Shereen, <laughs> what was it you were saying? Actually, gonna... I'd, like, I'd like to get some, some words in here myself. I, but... I, I was thinking about that <laughs> because when I said I'm joined by these three people, I'm, I wanted to say, well, I think Drew's here. He hadn't said nothing yet, but I think he's here. Yeah, but wait, wait, I, 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 we, we, we will pivot right to you. I just, I just want to hear what it was that Shereen was going to say. It was just one quick line, which was, unless Madripoor wasn't filler and it was going somewhere, but then they lost episodes and it didn't get there. That's hmm. it. Okay. Okay. All right. Drew Bittner, welcome to the show. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. I've, I've, got, I've got quite a bit to say, actually. Um, the first thing is that everyone said that, oh, the Flag, flag Smashers were not a great enemy. They were not dynamic. They were not that visual. And my realization is the Flag Smashers were not the enemy. Mm. The, the enemy in this case was conceptual. It was power and worthiness and responsibility. And is not only is Sam worthy of the shield, that's the struggle he had early on, but is the shield worthy of Sam? Speak and, on it, Drew. And and not and not only that, but Ooh. it's like it, it does address all these ways in which the country lets down those who fight for it. That it consistently lets down and betrays the people that care so much about it that they're willing to lay down their lives not just sam not just lamar not just walker but everybody you know and and walker has real good moments in that courtroom scene where he says you i am what you made me i did what you told me to do and he is he is hurt and betrayed that they are throwing him under the bus because he he was trying to be the best captain america that he could and you know, in, in a way, Zemo shines a light on that. He says that there is no such thing as being worthy of the power of being a super soldier. And that's, that, to me, cuts to the core of this. The, the Flag Smashers are not the enemy. They are the rival track to all this. They are the alternative. They're the dark mirror to what Sam is trying to work his way toward being. They're, they're a symbol of the anarchy and the, the benevolent anarchy that they saw during the blip, but Sam and Sam is sympathetic to that, but it's not enough. And Carly does start down the road toward being a much more casual killer and saying, well, the ends justify the means. And that's the point at which Sam jumps in and says, no, they really don't. And if you're going to be a symbol of something that you believe in, 
basically that's what he's saying to her, then you have to be worthy of being that symbol. And to me, that's what the entire series revolves around. It's, it's questions of worthiness and responsibility. And what do people that put on that shield owe to the country? What does the country owe to them in turn? And it bothers me a lot reading the comments online that people seem to have just completely missed the point. Yes. Everything Drew said. That's it. <laughs> no, but okay. it is. All right. Everybody was looking at the Flag Smashers as the villain. The villain are the governments of the United States and the power that they wield and, and the way that they displace people. And it bothers me too, Drew, because I kept going, y'all are missing it. Y'all are missing all of yeah. because that show is so much more complex and smart than anybody than most people are giving it credit for, right? And yeah. and and it, and 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 what it speaks to because somebody you know I've heard people say that John Walker is a racist. No, he's not. John Walker is a government puppet, a government shill, and then they abandon him, like Drew said, and then he 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 tumbles further down the hole, you know what I mean? And, and actually, the, the, the perfect analogy is basically the Sharon, the Sharon Carter ca character, specifically. Well, and, right, that, and do we believe that she was meant to be power broker all along? I believe she was. I think, yeah. You know, I... I I was so disappointed <laughs> with that revelation. <laughs> and I and I knew. I knew like a couple of minutes before they said it. <laughs> and I said aloud as I'm watching the thing on TV, I'm like, oh, she's the power broker. It was like, oh man, come on. I mean, that was just a little too convenient for me. But see, I, I still have trouble separating this Marvel Cinematic Universe from the original comic source material because the same kind of way that there's there's absolutely no way that Jasper Sitwell would have turned traitor I I don't see a agent 13 Sharon Carter going off the reservation like this to do what? this I mean uh, and then they let her just... back in and she's like oh now we got access to all this other stuff that I can pillage <laughs> I mean that was like oh damn come on now I mean, to say nothing of the fact that the Senate can't issue pardons, but let's, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm not going to dwell too much <laughs> well, on that. But, but it felt like a misdirect that ended up being direct. Like, it felt like originally they were misdirecting us that Sharon Carter was the, the power broker. And then, again, I just, I, I just think something's missing. I don't think you write something that tight and then lose it in six episodes. It takes shows years to lose it, you know? <laughs> so maybe she was meant to be Power Broker all along, but for me, it just something fell off about it by the time we get to that ending. But if that was their intent, it was clear from episode two that that's what that was going to be. So that was not interesting at all. But the mm. thing is, I remember that there's two major storylines that are going to come out of this, according to Marvel, which is Armor Wars yep. and Secret Invasion. Yep. Right. And, and if Secret Invasion happens to be, there's um, a clue that may be given in the episode when she got shot for the love of God and she refused to have anybody looked at her. Why? Yeah. Now, you know, that actually makes some sense. That would be a reason why Sharon Carter, Agent 13, the stalwart member of S.H.I.E.L.D., would do something like this. Because so we think she's a it's, scroll. It, it, it would be completely out of character. But, um, we I, think I, she's a scroll? 
well, I, I, I think, let me say, based on what Roberto was just saying, I absolutely think it's a possibility. But I, but I don't want to get too into the weeds as far as some of the stuff that's coming up. I mean, I think it's worth mentioning it and revisiting it at some point, either later in this show or in upcoming episodes. But I'd really kind of like to keep the focus on the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, so, uh, Drew, what else did you think? You said you had lots. I, I understand why a lot of fans did not like Walker. And I think that that's a tribute to Wyatt Russell, who I think did a tremendous job as as John Walker. He's not supposed to be a likable character. And he is supposed to show that not just anybody can pick up that shield to meet Captain America. And frankly, he was he was the Captain America that the government wanted. He was mm-hmm. ready to follow orders. He was ready to do what he was told. He was ready to be the, the smiling symbol of the red, white, and blue. And he realized in the course of this, of this, of this story that that was not enough. Captain America is more than that. So, so, I, so I applaud Wyatt Russell. I think he did a, a tremendous job. Um, yep. I, I am sorry that they killed off Lamar. I think that he had a lot more mileage left in him as a character. I think it's always unfortunate when you use that kind of motivation to get a character going. I, I just I just don't think it's necessarily the right approach to take. So I wasn't happy about that. Um, Drew, do you I, do we know Lamar is dead? Do you feel like? I'm, oh, he's I'm, dead. <laughs> I well, think he's, he's dead, gone. Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I I I don't think that Walker would have walked away without confirming for sure. <laughs> you know, so yeah, I'm I'm pretty sure he's dead. He was he was not enhanced. He was a normal guy in in field you know, field battle gear, and he's he's a guy fighting with people that are enhanced, and people like that don't often last real long. And it, it shows it. I mean, it, it, it does come back to pointing out that, yeah, if you're a regular guy going up against super soldiers, you're not going to last. You're not going to make it. And... But what if there is a parallel here that they've been building? Because they've been building these parallels between Lamar as 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 a uh, Battlestar and and Bucky right and they've mm-hmm. been building these parallels between not not as much between John Walker and Cap as between John Walker and Sam right so what yeah. if we get a winter soldier version of Battlestar we could. could go there yeah it's possible and it's it's not to say that they couldn't do something to um to prop up Walker and sort of get him back in the game. Val's got some tricks up her sleeve. You never know. I mean, <laughs> Tahiti's a magical place. <laughs> oh, bye. That was real slick. Wait, wait. And, and on that note, <laughs> that musical cue means that uh, it's time for us to take a short break. Of course, Fantastic Forum comes to you via WERA 96.7 FM in Arlington, Virginia. And as it happens, we are right smack dab in the middle of our spring fund drive. So I would like you to make it your business to visit the website at WERA.FM or the website of our parent organization, Arlington Independent Media at ArlingtonMedia.org to find out how you can make your tax deductible gift today in support of this wonderful institution that is community media because it it, it is more important than ever now so uh, please do that anyway we're going to step aside momentarily 
But don't touch that dial because Shireen and Drew and Roberto and I will be right back with more of this scintillating discussion right after this. Don't go away. And we're back here on Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM. We are Arlington. I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Drew Bittner and Shereen Nicole and Roberto Ortiz. We are talking about the latest, greatest project from Disney, Marvel Studios, appearing on Disney+. Plus. It is The Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Just wrapped up a six-episode run last week. And there are spoilers on this show. So... Um, okay, who was it who was getting ready to summit? Wait, wait. Drew. Roberto, I, I, I want to Drew. Oh, oh yeah. It, okay. Yeah, Drew and Roberto. All right. So, Drew, uh, what were you saying? I'll, I'll just wrap up by saying that um, I, I don't think I've ever been as proud of Marvel as I was when they were going to go ahead and have Sam be Captain America and give him this this coming to the role with the right the right mindset. I mean, he he'd gone through an awful lot of soul searching. He had struggled with this. He talked with Isaiah Bradley and all these things, and he he came to it with so much, you know, proving his worth um, every step of the way. Not that he needed to, not that he had to, but that this was the story that he was on. This was the, this was the, the hero's journey he was taking, and it was such a great culmination to see him in that in that costume and be acknowledged as Captain America. I thought that was great. Mm-hmm. And you saw that final card that yeah. literally said Captain America and the Winter Soldier. Yeah. Yeah. I, I was hoping they'd do it. I wasn't sure if they'd do it, but they did. And I was really, really glad they did. You know, I liked the way all of that worked out. Um, and, of course, this was also something from the comic books. In fact, both Bucky and the Falcon got to be Captain America in the comic books. Uh, although, uh, in the comic book version, uh, Bucky was Cap before uh, Sam was Cap. But um, I, I have to honestly say that not, while I read uh, Bucky as Cap, um, didn't read any of uh, Sam Wilson as Cap, um, wasn't honestly a fan of Bucky as Cap, not really a fan, <laughs> gotta say, of anybody as Cap other than Steve Rogers. <laughs> So, so there is that. But I, but I appreciate what they did with uh, with this uh, particular iteration, and was the especially, yeah. Well, was especially moved by that little speech that Sam gave. That had a real Captain America esque flavor to me because it did. Yeah. he was telling us the flag smashes were not the villain. That Carly went the wrong way, right? But it was a symbol of the global refugee crisis and desperation. So he's saying that teenage girl went the wrong way, but it's your fault. Mm-hmm. You did yeah. this and you have to fix this. And that was brilliant. And also, I mean, the way that they remixed Isaiah Bradley, it, it, it's like bittersweet because he's no longer the first Captain America. Yeah. He, he, now it's a little bit different, but I do think that it works well within the context of this particular storyline 
And that to me, that's when we start to talk about the racism of America intersected with the way that America treats its veterans, because Isaiah Bradley is that perfect intersection of those things. Mm-hmm. And that conversation that Isaiah Bradley has with Sam is is the is the foil of of trauma versus optimism, right? And that Sam needs to, that Isaiah Bradley is they will never accept you. And that is what made Sam realize, not that he should not pick up the shield, but that he absolutely had to. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And especially after all that resistance. You know, I'm sure that there were some contortions performed as uh, in the writer's room here for this show, trying to figure out if there was a way to to make isaiah bradley the first captain america you know like in the uh in in truth uh you know from Mm -hmm. the from marvel comics but uh, of course the way that they structured that story in terms of erskine and the whole backstory of oh yeah i i gave it to uh, Johann Schmidt first and all of that. It was like, ah, you know, there just wasn't a way. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, it just so happens that the black guy was in Germany and so we gave it to him. No, but I, because I, I, I thought that the story from Truth, where, uh, you know, these uh, these African-American soldiers were used as guinea pigs, I, I thought that was very powerful. And I mm-hmm. wish that there had been a way to go ahead and and tell that story as part of this but well they yeah, kind of did kevin, right but, oh go ahead uh, no not quite the problem is that kevin feige likes to keep things simple and that's it makes sense why he would basically move it up to the 1950s specifically uh, because all of a sudden if you put it him before in the 1930s you have to start explaining why is he alive uh does the super soldier syndrome basically uh uh affect aging how come i didn't affect steve i mean also, it opens this Pandora box of questions, and Feige likes to keep things simple. I, I, I also understand that, you know, the, the idea that, yes, it does, it does change the, the nature of the story, but I also think it does not take away from Isaiah Bradley being a heroic figure who was exactly. sacrificed, for, sacrificed everything for his country and was tortured and horribly, horribly mistreated for decades. And I don't, I don't think it takes away from his intrinsic heroism, and I don't think it takes away anything to say that he was part of the attempt to recreate the formula and do so in an unethical and irresponsible way, a way that violated these men profoundly. Um, I, don't, I don't think that it hurts his story to take this approach. Yeah, that's also, why I was saying they said, almost did tell his story because because of the experimentation very much mirroring mirroring the Tuskegee experiments, right? So you still have that moment. And they still tell the story about him being experimented on to to create this the super soldier serum and all of that. So it's remixed, but I don't think we lost it completely. And mm-hmm. it's interesting too that um the thing that he got in trouble for was exactly the thing that made Captain America a hero. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> exactly. And also, he follows he follows the same themes that Sam is following in terms of the story. It's like Bradley was following up a white guy in the 1950s in the role of Captain America, and he was rejected. And in terms of the themes of the the mini of the show, we saw it follows Sam's storyline, and he's mm. telling basically him, 
I went, I was you. You don't want to become me. And mm. it makes the decision he made more powerful because he's aware of the consequence of him failing or the government decided you failed. And yeah. hell, the whole yeah. point about it is basically is that how disposable the government sees the, the soldier program. For example, mm -hmm. their own handpicked guy, they immediately, as soon as they told he screwed up, it's over. You're, you're going to the dumpster. And he had a point about being pissed. It's like, well, wait a minute. He, he, he screwed up, murder, though. But... <laughs> he, he screwed up in a kind of big way. <laughs> I mean, I hear what you're saying. I mean, he, yeah, he, he, he got away with it. But it, again, there's a certain degree of latitude that, um, you know, it, it, that soldiers or law enforcement people have when they are prosecuting their responsibilities. So that that itself wasn't a big surprise, but it was the public nature of the way that things happened in this particular series. And that was one of the reasons why I liked that speech that Sam gave at the end, because you see all the people in the crowd whip out their phones and everybody is recording this as, you know, Sam has this face off with these people who are the um, you know the head of this GRU or you know whatever that the actual was. villains the GRC <laughs> exactly GRC, GRC the Global Repatriation yeah. Council. Oh, Council, which, Council. By the yeah. way, somebody uh, I know something you guys don't know. They, they <laughs> you keep saying it. That's that's your yeah. catchphrase. <laughs> don't be so sure. <laughs> but okay. what what is it? What is it? Remember that the first time we see Carly, she was looking for a vaccine. Yes. What happened was that there was a storyline that they had greeted with a pandemic. And basically what happened is that during the blip, there was a pandemic and they found a cure. But the people who came back from the blip were not immune and they were having problems basically giving the cure to the people who were not there. So mm. like Mama Donia. Exactly. And they changed that to tuberculosis as something generic. But that was not what was supposed to be. It was basically that there was this virus. And my understanding from what I heard is that Disney said, you know, there's an actual pandemic going on. And you're making a point about because the GRU was controlling access to the vaccines and all that. And that's part of the, the one of the points that the flag smashers had in their favors, specifically how medicine basically is weaponized against the, the displays. Remember? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, that would have yeah. been a very interesting story element had they allowed that to continue. Although Boy, uh, the way you were talking about how uh, Feige likes to keep things simple, I can understand why they didn't pursue that. Oh, I mean, especially I, was, not having mentioned it in any other uh, story iteration where they referenced the blip. But you right. guys, people didn't get what was there. Like, I mean, no, we, we can no, say yeah. that Feige likes to keep things simple, but we're talking about a global displacement issue that was very clearly laid out for us, and people missed it. Yeah. Oh, and yeah. and I, I believe that basically from what I heard, it was Disney who said, you know what, There's a, this is happening right now in real life. So maybe we should not go there, because right now in real life, basically... Vaccine is being withheld from communities uh, who are vulnerable. Mm -hmm. uh, as as happening, you know, in Florida uh, and in certain places where certain people are giving access to vaccine over others for no prime reason, unless you basically start thinking that just because you have money, you get access to the vaccine. 
So, what? Well, Roberto, oh what? Oh my gosh. But I can understand why Disney said, you know what? Let's <laughs> eh, nail that and just say tuberculosis and move away from there. Because again, the motivation of the flag smashers becomes more powerful if you start to think about it that um, not only they're displaced, but they basically basic healthcare, basic medicine, basic things like that, they don't have access to. And they might be dying for diseases that during the blip were addressed. And it makes sense if you start to think about it. Imagine if you have, uh, we have the AstraZeneca, the, the cures for COVID right now going, all of a sudden you have a, uh, people coming back who have no uh, defense for the for COVID because the current generation basically in two or three years will all hopefully will have herd immunity, but the people coming back have nothing and they will be susceptible for those diseases. For but that that's disease. a lot of storyline that they probably didn't have place for, especially with how they kind of had to wrap things up. Bingo. And you think about it and it's, really powerful the idea of finally being a vital part of society and and then and having the borders gone so that you can live how you want to live and 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 be a part of everything and then to have it go right back to where it was before and people tell you you are unnecessary and i think a part of what Carly was saying and she's like very young and she didn't know how to say it what she was saying to and it was still messed up right it's still really messed up but what she was saying to walker is that i didn't mean to kill him because he's not a part of this not that he didn't matter to this problem right and mm -hmm. she said it wrong because what you'll notice with a lot of people who think that they're um their stance or their flag for lack of a better term is correct is that they start to believe that everything they do is right Yes, mm -hmm. and that's you the know, point that the show was making very well. That, and that's why what Simo was saying specifically that once, and he applies to himself too. Once people basically go into extremes, sometimes they become unreachable. Yeah, and he had that point. And what there was, there was one other thing that that struck me that I think is is worth mentioning, and that is the scene where Walker has killed Nico in the town square. Yeah. And how in another time that would not have been caught on film, it would not have been caught on video, it would not have gone worldwide, like in, in an instant, and Walker would have gotten away with it. Yeah, there would have been no repercussions at all. No. <laughs> you know, it's it like, would in have fact, been a rumor that would have been written in Pulitzer Prize winning newspapers, right? right. But yeah, yeah. It, it might, would have been mentioned somewhere, maybe, but the, but the government has squelched that too. So, so there's this whole aspect of, you know, it's it's timely because of the Derek Chauvin case and all these other things that are caught on video. And there's account there's more accountability, not not perfect accountability, not a lot of it necessarily, but there's yeah. some in in, mm -hmm. in a world where there really was never any before. Yeah. And well, so and in fact, what he got in trouble for was because people knew what he did, not Absolutely. because he did something. You're listening to Fantastic Forum on WERA 96.7 FM and streaming via WERA.FM. Radio Arlington, I'm Ulysses E. Campbell. I'm joined today by Drew Bittner and Shireen Nicole and Roberto Ortiz, and we are talking about the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Well, guys, going again with the show, the point is that he was such a um, true believer. 
specifically in terms of what he was doing, how he couldn't see. I'm not going to justify his action in any way, shape, or form. I'm just saying that he he basically saw himself as the hero of the story. Um, No villain basically sees himself as a villain. And and, yeah, Zemo included. Yeah. We need to talk about Zemo later, but yeah. Yeah, oh, we'll pivot back to that, but I, I just want to point out, and I'm sorry to interrupt you here, Roberto, but I just want to point out that uh, it, Walker was, it, it, basically, it was, oh, oh, all is forgiven here. I mean, and Shireen, you said something about that earlier in the show, because he shows up to help, and it's like, oh, okay, well, you could help us, you know, and it, and he's running around, back in Bucky up. And, shield, you know, yeah. Yeah, oh, all is forgiven. Basically, That's, you know, I'm I mean, pissed about that, but I, uh, yeah, well, well you know, I mean, he, he had to become U.S. agent, but look, we are, we are almost out of time. Let's talk a little bit about Bucky. In fact, I feel a little embarrassed, uh, that cause the show was the Falcon and the Winter Soldier. And we spent most of our time talking about Sam. I mean, for, for obvious reasons, you know, because of, uh, some of the transitions in that last episode, um, but Bucky made some of them too. And I thought that was great how, you know, he, he, he left the gift bag for his therapist and, uh, you know, the fact that he was able to find some closure, uh, because that whole business of having been the winter soldier. And again, that's why I feel like, oh, even calling him the winter soldier, you shouldn't do that anymore. I mean, he's, he's somebody else and, and they had established that. And now that he has finally, uh, made amends, so to speak, you know, with that, um, you know, maybe he can put that, maybe he can put all that to rest. And, uh, and I feel like we very easily could have talked more about, uh, him and, and his journey. Um, you know, although I think it's great that, you know, you had this African American guy who was the lead character in this thing, you know, I mean, that, that's, uh, <sighs> I, you know, what's not to love about that, especially in these days? And then when that lead character also is the one that can pick up the mantle of Captain America, because, uh, as I mentioned earlier, both Bucky and the Falcon had taken up the identity of Captain America before in the comic books. And both of them, from a certain perspective, could be seen as being worthy of taking the shield and taking that mantle up. I mean, I think the way that they presented the Sam Wilson character in the Marvel Cinematic Universe, I think he's the more obvious choice right now. But, you know, the way they did that thing in the comic, it was like, oh, hey, yeah, you know, here's Bucky. He's back. He ain't the Winter Soldier. Of course, he'll be Captain America. And uh, and that didn't work out horribly. Actually, you know, I mean, I thought there were some really good stories there, especially in terms of the interaction with him and Natasha Romanoff, for example, uh, you know, who there was clearly some backstory there between the two of them, you know, which I thought was was very interesting. So, but you can tell that book in this version was not interested at all of ever picking up. I, I think the decision, it's implied that he made his mind a long time ago that he would never pick up the shield um 
and it's it's and I and it has it's completely separate from from the Winter Soldier thing. Like, it has more to do with the fact that he loves Steve so much. This was his brother that he feels he cannot be replace him in a way. And he feels more comfortable with the idea of supporting somebody that Steve picked. And that's why he was at peace with the idea. And he was actually thanking God that uh, Steve picked Sam over him. If you, if you look at the end of Endgame and the interactions between Steve and Bucky when he's getting on the platform and going to go return the stones, you can tell that's, that's Bucky saying goodbye. You know? And because they, they said the same the same farewell that they said when Bucky went off to war the first time. Don't do anything stupid. How can I take all the stupid with you? You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> they, they know they're saying goodbye. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. And, I, and I also think that the dynamic between that they've built that we all love so much between Sam and Bucky is a Murtaugh and Riggs type of relationship, right? So yeah. they each have to be in their place for that to work. And and that dichotomy is is what attracts us. So you can't lose that with them battling over the shield. It has to and and there's a beauty to Bucky supporting Sam in his journey because he's saying that th- there's this great moment where Bucky says you not taking up the shield means maybe Steve was wrong about you. And if he was wrong about you, maybe he was wrong about me. me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that that gets back around to what I was saying about worthiness before too, is that this is, this was Bucky's journey as well. The whole question Mm -hmm. of worthiness. He never felt worthy to take up the shield. And if Steve had offered it to him, he must've said no, because he knew that, that Sam was going to get the shield. And so, so Bucky had to come around to the idea of, feeling that he was truly worthy again. Of redemption, so, right? Yeah. Because Sam is worthy of... Sam had to realize, and I think a, a plot thread that they also lost was that there was a dichotomy between a black man holding that shield in America and also Sam not feeling like he could fill his friend's shoes. And I think that that kind of was a part of it and that got lost maybe because they didn't want a black man to feel like he wasn't up to the standard of a white guy, which that's not what it was about, but when you're when you're dealing with characters of color, sometimes unintentional subplots emerge, right? Mm-hmm. But but but, it, it, but it's important also to consider the fact that Bucky broke the stereotype of him basically being a white guy who basically would say, you know what? This is my privilege to be the next Captain America. He never considered that. But see, because that wasn't his journey. His journey was redemption. Sam's was the hero's hero's journey or the heroic journey, right? Which Drew brought up in in the show. Bucky's journey was redemption. They had two different goals. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. and Steve picked Sam, you know, I'm sure it, it just in, in the context of this whole MCU thing, uh, St- the Steve Rogers character considered Bucky, but he dismissed it. There are probably a number of people he considered before yeah. settling on Sam, yeah. you know, and then, you know, maybe pivoting back around to Sam. It's like, no, you know what? This guy here is the one who needs who I need to give this to. 
Right, because you're not going to put Constantine in a Superman suit. That's silly. But here's the thing. Have you considered that the reason he picked Sam is because at, at his core, he's a social worker. He's the guy who basically will listen to you. He That's the quality he was looking for. A person who will be there for the little guy, who will listen, who will basically instead of judge and you know, start punching immediately, will try to talk the situation up, see all the angles. Be, I think that's, that's, I think that's right. Key. Well, and, and you know, one of the interesting aspects to that is the character Sam Wilson in the comic book was initially presented as being a social worker. That was his secret identity. It was <laughs> Sam Wilson, social worker. But mm. you know, I think there's something else there. I think that Steve understood both his friends very well. And he knew that one was a hero, somebody who could be Captain America because of Sam's optimism, because of Sam's belief in ideas, ideals. Bucky lost it a long time ago. Mm. Bucky mm. at his best, at his best, and I mean truly at his best, not not at the least, but at his best is an anti-hero. And that's where Bucky serves best. He can't be, first of all, he would crumble under the weight because he's so sensitive. He would mm. crumble under the weight of that shield. And Steve knew that. But also that Bucky is comfortable being the anti-hero. And he's good at it. And he, know mm. that, he knew that Sam was good as the symbol of, of, of American promise. That's my take. Mm. He's, he's evolved from being Steve's best buddy and wartime colleague and comrade in arms to being the Winter Soldier, this emotionalist, remorseless killing machine, who got this traumatized by his past the guy who's finally beginning to make peace with it. And I think Sebastian Stan's done a great job bringing that arc to to this point. I think that he's, you know, settled in. He is sort of the reliable guy who will always have Sam's back in all this. And, you know, the fact that he was able to come to terms and make peace with Yori and walk away from that relationship that he might have had um, speaks, speaks volumes. Um, the fact that he brought cake for everybody at the end of, <laughs> at, the big, at the big party. I mean, this is the guy that's be, that that has regained his humanity in all this, and part of it is realizing that he himself has worth. You know, mm. that he is worthy, that he is a good person at heart, and finding that and rediscovering that is what helped him help bring him home. Mm. And, and, uh, and also, let's not forget that they spoke very well about the concept of somebody going to therapy, and that therapy mm. is that is that is a wonderful point. Yep. Uh, maybe maybe there's a title change uh, upcoming. Captain America and the White Wolf. Now, as good a time as any to mention that uh, you know check out the extended version uh, for the Fantastic Forum podcast because there's there's more discussion that did not get a chance to get into this episode. But I'd like to thank my panelists and you two for tuning in. Of course, Fantastic Forum. Is also a television show. You can check it out uh, if you go to the website at fantasticforum.tv. Also, check your local listings because it might be on in your area. You got to find out about that. Um, also, if you happen to miss any portion of the show during its uh, initial broadcast each and every Saturday, the show re airs here on WERA each and every Thursday afternoon at 3 p.m. from 3 to 4. And, of course, you can always come back next week. Don't forget again, WERA is in the middle of its spring fund drive. 
visit the website at WERA.FM or the website of our parent organization, Arlington Independent Media at ArlingtonMedia.org and make your tax-deductible gift in support of community media today. And come back again next week, same bad time, same bat station.